So as you're practicing, um, I'm encouraging a certain uh, fluidity, flexibility of focus. Um, Focus is important, but the ability to to discern and form focus um, puts intentionality to the fore. Intentionality is a property of citta, which means the ability we can move forward, we can move forward fast, we can step back, we can move forward slowly. It's a sense of whether your intention may be to just be purely receptive. That's an intention, that's something you can shift to, just open, receptive, being present with. You can be mildly intending qualities, directing qualities of acceptance or goodwill or safety, you know, generating that particular attention in that way. So these inflections are exercising citta, which can get rather numb um, due to the uh, massive uh, impingement of perceptions and effects. So jitta gets shell-shocked and it loses its flexibility. It tends to just fixate, grasp or huddle <laughs> or flutter. You know, it loses some of the, the smoothness and the flexibility that is uh, capacity. What is jitta? It's very, very sense of being, uh, well, it's <laughs> something you can never find as an object. You might say it's, colloquially speaking, it's who you are, except there's no identity to it. <laughs> it's it's the, the, the very property of awareness, and, which is always there, and that can be inflected. Mm. Mm. So when we cultivate, uh, sometimes it's just this very property of awareness that one wants to highlight uh, because uh, jitta can feel so ensnared and, and in compulsive reactions or stuck in phenomena. So this is the uh, inflection of disengagement. We just don't focus on anything specific focus on knowing so it's sort of like a shifting back and this helps if you maintain a very wide perceptual field rather than any specific object at all naturally forms may arise sensations may arise feelings may arise but that's not your priority your priority is to maintain the sense of a a wide receptive space so you can navigate towards that at least this is this is a benchmark that is noted practiced recommended and one of the benefits of this is you just sheerly you just come out of the tangle you don't sort anything out really <laughs> uh, you just step back and just that itself like for example if you've got a a totally knotted up piece of tissue, then sometimes you just step back from it and let it find its own way of relaxing and, and ceasing. So highly inflamed states, highly fixated states, you may just want to step back. 
Now that has an energy to it. There's a, a shift that can be cultivated. And the very quality of, of, of that awareness has a subtle energy field. Um, so it has an effect. It doesn't do anything by itself, but it already has, has an effect, has a, a, the effect of coolness because it doesn't engage. And that sense of non-engagement but awareness is discernible. It has, it has definitely, it, it just gives space to things, lets things do what they do. So this is often considered a very helpful resource to just come into that disengaging, just go to, you might, number of words you could use for it, I'd say um, aware presence, or pure awareness, awareness with no object. Um, these are the kind of terms that, choiceless awareness, animita, no sign, no characteristic is being sought as an object of attention. And, uh, yeah, well, if one really dwells in that and, and makes much of that and amplifies that and, and lingers in that, it builds up a certain potential strength uh, and phenomena seem recede. And so that you have animita samadhi or a collectedness which has no specific object, signless, no, no, no quality to it. And this may seem to be, well, why do anything else, in fact? <laughs> but, um, and I think there's, <laughs> indeed. Um, but then the bell rings, you know, and stuff starts happening. So the, the, uh, there's also a movement to be negotiated, which I would say is more relational. Um, so it does acknowledge objects, uh, uh, but instead of just the going into the more fixated or uh, normalized, we might say, uh, habitual relationships, that is to, to get excited or to get depressed or to get frustrated or to try and hold things together or try and dismiss what we dislike, try and shield ourselves from unpleasant feeling, it's a more skillful relationship than this sort of block grab, uh, you know, where, where there's a lot of um, um, uh, energy stirred up, activated energy. So lots of energy stirred up. And what happens is in this engagement, um, stirred up energy is aroused and then various afflictions occur, greed, uh, irritation, um, depression, frustration, these afflictive phenomena start arising as tangled up energies and then the, we get into these emotional patterns that then also, you know, coagulate and become fixated patterns, behavior patterns. They're relational behavior, they're patterns of dysfunctional relationships or relationships that aren't uh, clearly negotiated with awareness, and so much of what we may, well, some of what we may experience ourself as being in our problematic state is this nexus, this whole experience of these rather uh, familiar 
behavior patterns and the emotions and the mind states that arise around that one feels stuck, oppressed, uh, um, you know, um, goes up and down a lot. And so, and then we say, well, you know, the the sense of just trying to form more healthy relationship with what are called here. We there are a number of ways one can. Um, discern that the one way we're using is the five aggregates so one discerns there is a form this is some because then you can use this really any uh, you know externally or internally something you can detect the form and the feeling tone arises agreeable disagreeable one would like more of it less of it uh, and so on Perception, it means something, it signifies, we are able to name it as something. Uh, and then we may enjoy it or not enjoy it. So pleasure, feeling, perceptions. And then a consciousness is uh, a certain steering, inclination that occurs. Sankara. And uh, all this then becomes the content of consciousness. Consciousness is then very much driven uh, or formed uh, around these this whole process. And so being so formed, it then, uh, so the net result may be an unhelpful mind state, consciousness so formed and so uh, programmed, then in a way, starts to detect other phenomena that correspond to that mind state. So, you know, once one feels irritable, we, the irritability factor starts to notice many things to feel irritable about in the present, the past, the future, in oneself and in others. And so it becomes the dominant leader of, of what we detect. And you may have recognized this. Mm-hmm. Or fear, anxiety, then we find, find ourselves with a search engine on anxiety and many things we can feel anxious about. So we start, to, the mind conjures up phenomena that will fit in line with the dominant trait of that, the, the, uh, of that consciousness. Mm-hmm. So we're really, you know, and then it can be very tangled because all this is taken very, when it's mental, it's taken very personally. This is what I am. Mm. This is the nature of the uh, the sense bases. So the visual sense, one has some sense of that something out there, I'm separate from it. But as you go down the list of them, that sense of separation gets increasingly less. When you taste something, it comes into you. You're not really separate from it. When it's in the mind, you can't find any separation from it. You are it. Yeah, that's what it seems. So this sense of disengagement is our first uh, need to say, well, I can rather than just be that irritable state, frustrated state, I can be aware of it. There's a certain, the power of wisdom and to affect that, the energy, the faith, 
to affect and the sati to affect that. I'm aware of it rather than I am it. This is not necessarily something we feel so happy about, but it's at least a place where one can start to put one's energy towards awareness rather than the negative phenomenon. In that case, we begin to, from that sense of disengagement, noticing the the passing, the movement of the phenomenon and the triggering, what triggers it and what causes it to decline. So this is going to be a study. So in that studying, you know, that, that understanding, you know, the possibility to discern form without some, you know, uh, gripping of it, or pushing it away, or um, relishing it, or distaste for it. So a relationship is based just upon finding, if you like, almost one's position, almost a sense of where does one's attention have to rest to maintain and what kind of qualities need to be present to maintain a relationship that doesn't push away, doesn't hold on, and yet maintains presence with phenomena. And this really gives no room for the self-view to get established. Because one can't say one is the phenomenon, one can't say one's away from it, one can't say one has it, one can't say one doesn't have it. You know, none of those positions really work. It's there is presence of, you know, an irritating thought or uncomfortable physical feeling or a uh, happy mind state. And then the sense of I am in it, it becomes irrelevant. That in fact, that that mood, that atmosphere will always develop and be based associated with some kind of clinging like clinging to hold it on to control it to make it stop or clinging on to control it to make it come closer or hold on to it in order to change it into something else to make it go faster to make it go the way one wish wish it to be all this lock will generate these self-forming patterns but they're patterns, not really an innate self. These are behavioural patterns that we that have been learned through chitta, out of confusion. And we wish to to understand those behaviour patterns and see their the stress and the suffering and the need and then we don't need those. The chitta can operate comfortably with behaviour patterns that are based upon acceptance, respect, uh, presence. Uh, spaciousness, attentiveness, uh, openness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, well, if we if we take something like even, you know, the recommend one recommended for an object, the breathing in and out. And there, there's that. Now, you, one may feel you've got to get it, or this is this is, or pursue it, or make it get you to samadhi. These attitudes will be uh, um, clinging and give rise to the sense of self.
So even in, in relationship with an object like breathing in and out, we, you can begin to see how form itself is really an approximation. That is, what's happening has no specific finite form. It tends to form in a range of ways. So what is, what is a breath? Well, something, but what is it? Is it round? Soft, sharp, small, big, cool, warm, it changes. Form is really the form of a candle flame. What shape is a candle flame? It depends on the, the wax, the wind, it, you know, how long, how long the wick is. So it's, it, and the breathing is rather like that. It's a subtle, flexing, formative quality. And it's, it's accompanied with sensations that themselves are rippling. Isn't that true? And uh, perhaps even more significant, well, certainly I find more significantly there's an energy that runs with breathing. So if we make less trying to get the breath as a single object, which causes a certain uh, uh, hardening of attention, you know, because we said there's definitely a thing there. So once you say that, or you, you have that intention, there'd be a thing there, there will be a thing there. <laughs> it's magical. Uh, yeah. But if you say, well, we don't know. We know there's a presence of something is occurring that has a certain formative quality. It's not nothing. Uh, but exactly what it is, I couldn't say but I keep listening into that. In that slightly softer quality of attention, you'll discern energy, fluidity, certain vibrancy or vitality. And this is very much the understanding of the Asian, uh, understanding what breathing is. There's the, the physical, we might say the physiological air, oxygen, and there's a quality which is variously called prana, or prana, or chi. So that's the prana and prana, the Indian words, and chi is the Chinese and the Japanese words for these, this particular quality of experience. So it's, and it's the, uh, so when one attends the breathing in and out, you, you might, because sensation is a bit more close to what was normally uh, able to, to recognize, you know, so we've, we've got, a readout on that already, so there's that, you know, that flexing in the belly, the chest, there's that sensation pulse, which is changing. Yeah, so that's good to, you can move towards that. You may like to just sit in one place in your chest or your throat or your nose or somewhere just to get that sensation. So give something to aim for, but perhaps I would suggest not hardening it up too much. Mm. Just use it as like a directive for the chitta not to be going somewhere else. And then using the receptivity of chitta to listen in. You know, is it what's really there? Are you getting it all? Before we come to a final decision, that's breathing, now how to make it go somewhere, how to be good at it, how to be mindful of it, you know, and get concentrated on it. Before we start running these aims and programs, which are not 
bad by themselves, but I think they are rather jumping the gun, you might say. Only listen in to the energy of breathing in and out. And it's not that once you get a, a reflection on it, oh yeah, of course, breathing in is like a brightening and breathing out is a cooling. You might experience something like that. Breathing in is a sharpening, breathing out is, is a softening. Just like something inflates and deflates. And that energy can be felt uh, through, we might say most obviously, through the areas that are associated with the physical breath. But increasingly to um, places that are not doing physical breath, like the eyes or the skin or across the chest or down the belly or even into the fingers. So the energy starts to can be, as, it, as we become more attentive to that, the quality of attention amplifies. That's its nature. What you attend to becomes more predominant. When you get your, your search engine out on that one and you tune to that one, it becomes more predominant because the body and the mind are in sympathy and they are codependent. So in other words, at this level of energy, at this level, the way you inflect your mind affects your body energy. If you approach your body from a controlling attitude, then your body will start to become rigid on a physiological level. If you approach it from an acceptance place, it becomes softer, more relaxed. And so we, we started to think, what is our proper relationship to not be dominating, and, but at the same time to be present? And this is a very beautiful skill to learn. And naturally, you know, the success rate is not that great. <laughs> you know. But you should be getting one or two out of ten. This is definitely progress, and because every time you, you touch that, the faith arises. Yeah, because there there are definitely big benefits in in the sense of sense of self dropping away, the, the obsessiveness or the moodiness dropping away, because in the relational sense. When that is harmonious, the quality of harmony becomes the atmosphere. And the disharmonious qualities drop away. And one feels settled, composed. This is called samadhi. It's harmony, unification of body and mind. When the mental energy and the body energy are in sync, they're in synergy. So what occurs is there's a sense of harmony, unification, and settledness. Now that has not arisen really from me trying to to get things calmed down, but uh, at least unless, unless in a very uh, uh, careful way. Certainly, the inclination is just let's take this easier. No pushing, no pressure. Uh, stay present, and yet that inflection of intentionality 
is something, no matter how many words I put around it, you will find it for yourself. And it may have different words for you. But the result will be definitely a cleaning of behavior on a, on a subtle level. And that cleaning on a subtle level will definitely have effects on a more obvious relational level. One becomes less fearful or pushy. One becomes less flustered in the presence of phenomena that are not delightful or attractive. Uh, Because the energy itself builds up a certain strength, indriya. So as our bodily energy system becomes more strengthened and cleaned, then we're able to be present with difficult phenomena without feeling highly impacted. You don't don't notice them, but you don't feel shot by them or tightened up or defensive. So it's definitely, you know, these are effects that occur from the skill that comes with this kind of uh, mode of practice. And so it's clear, and because the, because the body and the mind are not separable, they affect each other. Then the negative effects uh, have uh, you know of our these defective behaviours of grasping and and so forth. They they have effects on one's energies that are felt in the body and the mind. And so these these first list of these we know so well the five hindrances. So the sense of greed or or sense desire because one feels the energy feels really flat and needs something to get it going. So it's hungry. It lacks vitality. It lacks vitality. So it's got to have something to feed on to get livened up with. Well, clearly, if one has vitality, that one doesn't have to occur. Mm. Ill will. Mm. We cannot cope with difficult feeling, so instead we get uh, hostile. Energy tightens up because it has no capacity to accommodate and discharge difficult feeling. So instead it it develops hostility towards it, prickling and souring. Um, dullness Uh, because so much of the energy gets exported into distraction and outgoing tendencies one's home base one's reservoir is rather low energy is rather hasn't got rich supply of energy because so much of it goes out through the sense stores and in occupation so there's not much at home Therefore, one dullness is it's kind of an indolence and a, a sluggishness, um, a restlessness. That is, because so much energy is expended in sense phenomena which are diverse, the system is used to jumping from this to that to this to that to this to that. So that pattern gets established. Now, if there's a sense of something that's unifying, that the chitta can go to a unifying energy, oh, it can settle on that. So restlessness can cease. Mm. 
speculative doubt is when we are um, over um, emphasizing the conceptual intelligence. So this is what happens when the other intelligences are, are more limited. So if our body intelligence isn't very acute, heart intelligence is feel it is not so uh, agile. Um, then uh, so what happens is a lot of in, a lot of our, the intelligence goes into the mental faculty, which means we're always searching for clarity and answers to things. Of course, they can't provide it. They cannot provide the satisfaction that can only be really experienced in the heart. So, so this is the state of doubt. Is this or that? Or is this? Or should I do that? Should I do that? What, what's being sought? What's being sought is the sense of aha. Aha. And that is the heart sense. So if these other, if the heart intelligence has been not been properly uh, energized and brought into to bear upon experience, then speculative doubt becomes potentially more apparent because we seek orientation in terms of thought. Thought cannot provide it. Therefore, the sense of maybe this or maybe that, still looking for the thought, for the clarity, orientation that cannot arise. It's like trying to walk on water. it can't, it can't be done. So you just keep, you know, there's a skidding effect of doubt. Confidence arises not from the intellect, but from realization of citta. This is this. So these hindrances have energetic effects, though very often. In Dhamma instruction, one is approaching more from the psychological aspect, which is also true. But I feel that the psychological qualities that we attune to, this area of our of our intelligence, is all, is so overworked; it's almost inflamed <laughs> with with selfhood and 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 blaming and criticism and guilt around hindrances. So perhaps easier to sense them just as understandable uh, results of unbalanced or depleted uh, energy. Then it becomes less uh, a a sin and more of a a problem that, that can be amended by accessing, steadying, smoothing, calming, forming healthy relationship. And breathing is certainly an excellent topic for that because it will give you a lot back. It'll give you a lot back if you approach it in the right way. So let's um, take some time for some practice, uh, silent practice. Mm. 